Mystical lift or something. Don't you love these things? Oh, so much. We, I'm from South Auckland, don't hold it against me. <laughs> but if you'd like an aerial, I've got some in my car waiting for you. Um, it's just the top half. Um, we went through the second longest lockdown in the world. And I looked and saw how people are wearing these things, right? Let me just do it before I start. Don't start the clock. <laughs> this is how people who do it right should wear it like this. Right-handed person will wear it like that. Left-handed person wears it like that. When you're just wandering around and you want your chin warm, you wear it like that. If you have Jewish heritage, you wear it like that. <laughs> so that's the deep study they've been doing while, <laughs> while in lockdown. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come uh, with freedom in this nation where brothers and sisters in Christ and other nations uh, go with concern for their well-being and for their ability to survive the day. So we are very grateful. And we thank you, Lord, that we have the place in the universe and this world that begins the 24 hours of worship. And I pray that our worship this morning has been a sweet fragrance to you and that as we work together on what you're wanting to talk to us about this morning, to each one of us individually, to us corporately, that you would do so with your peace, your grace, and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. We're blessed with the boy band, weren't we? <laughs> The Blenheim boys, yeah. The youngest was on that side. I told you to tell you. When I was a young guy, not so long ago, I had a friend called John. <clears throat> and he was a guy that wasn't motivated really to do anything. And before the days of the cell phone... We were still using semaphore and smoke signals back then, and he would have wasted his life had he had a cell phone and stuff like that, I'm sure. But we prompted him to go, go to Outward Bound, my fault, but he went, which was a staggering thing. And in that Outward Bound place, they had to do this hike, and it's out here somewhere, isn't it, in Marlborough? Yeah? I'm looking forward to going there sometime. Anyway, he, they did this very long walk, and they got where the end was, and they turn around, and they hike all the way back to the, to the base. And he's in his own little dream world, and everyone's walking faster than he. And the day is going on, and they have gone, and he can't see them anymore when it gets dark. And he's a city boy, and he's not used to complete black, just looking at the stars. And he's in the bush, and he starts to get fearful. And he starts, he's a wonderful singer. So he started to sing his opera. And all it, all it did for him, it made him even more nervous about what was going to come out of the bush and get him. So in the finish, he broke off a stick off a tree, took down a little a branch off a tree, and he was whacking the bushes as he walked along with this thing, yelling and screaming. He was so afraid. And he thought for a moment that having that stick would protect him. But all it did was made him far, far more afraid until the rescue team came and found him. And the stick did for him the reverse to what he had hoped. 
He'd hoped to get courage, but he didn't. It didn't deliver him from the power of darkness. It didn't protect him from what was going to happen for him because that stick in his hand was just an ordinary stick in an ordinary man's hand. See, my life in my hands, is a slide going to come up for that one, I hope. <clears throat> my life in my hands is nothing more than a human life. But my life in God's hands is the staff of God. We're going to read from Exodus chapter 3. And it, oh, it's there, but not there. <laughs> I'm looking there going, that's, that's fine. So it's going to come up behind us. I might just read that and it saves me. I can see it now. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place you are standing is holy ground. And the Lord will bless his word to us as we go through. Now God had his attention, and you read on through chapter 3, you'll see that God now outlines for him what he is seeing in the plight of the Jews, what he's noticed in there, what he's heard from in there, their calling out and their crying out. He lists all of those things. And then he answers Moses' question about, who do I say you are? And God declares his name, Yahweh, which is, I am who I am. And he's outlined his strategy, which is wonderful because in my life I've found that I've asked, Lord, where do I go with this thing next? Where do I go next? And I get these little bits. He doesn't sort of outline the whole thing for me. But here he outlines this for Moses and says, this is what I want you to do. And then he declares this, which I love in verse 20. He says, God declared to Moses that he will stretch out his hand and strike Egypt with miracles. He's calling Moses to come and do something for him, but he's telling Moses, actually, I will be doing it in and through you. And that's a wonderful encouragement to me. And Moses replies with questions of doubt. How many times when I got called to Caleb to live by faith, it took a year, and God knew where I was the whole blooming time until he nailed me and said, no, 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 you're not listening. Go and do this thing. We read uh, chapter 4, uh, just a couple of verses out of chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Then Moses said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? The Lord has not appeared to you, is what they might say to him. And the Lord said to him, to Moses, What is that in your hand? And he said, A staff. And then he said, To throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand, grasp it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they might believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared 
to you. <clears throat> so he's giving him that confirmation. See, Moses had escaped, hadn't he, into the wilderness out of Egypt. He'd gone, you know the story. And he lived as a shepherd. And over the time he was living there as a shepherd, he was able to get the taint, if you will, of Egypt out of his system. And as he did that, he settled into the life of a shepherd. You look at the Old Testament, how many of the great leaders spent the first part of their life before their call as shepherds? We're fortunate in this country. We know what sheep are. We know what they're like. <laughs> and we know what people do when they shepherd them. In other countries like the Philippines, you go to the zoo to see a sheep. So we understand this, this metaphor that's coming on here for us. And he'd settled in there. And in the ordinariness of his day, as the normal working day of a shepherd, he came across an unusual circumstance and it drew him aside. God drew Moses near to him. And again, in the Old Testament, you look at how many encounters the, the prophets have or a leader has where God has got their attention and drawn them aside and drawn them close to him. It's kind of like he's letting them get a taste of his presence before he asks them to do something. Suddenly, the reality of God broke into Moses' life, and his life at that point had just been a human life, and that was about to change. God wanted Moses to come under his lordship, to be his servant. Uh, there's a slide coming up here for you. God saw something uh, Moses had and wanted him to see it in a radically different way. He wanted Moses to see himself in a radically different way. You see, Moses is standing there at the burning bush in the presence of God on that holy ground, and what God asks him, he asks him, what is that in your hand? It was his staff. It's a shepherd's crook. It's a dead piece of wood that somebody has spent time taking a branch off a tree like my mate and sanded it smooth and it's turned into a useful farm implement like a quad bike. But it was still a dead piece of wood. God saw in it and what Moses was like that he couldn't. And the staff would have been so familiar to him and so comfortable in how he used it that God's question would have caught him off guard. You see, the staff was more than just propping him up when he was walking. An Old Testament shepherd would walk in front of the herd, not behind it like our guys do with the dogs doing the stuff. And if a sheep was trying to go ahead, the staff was placed out, and as a line, don't cross it. If a sheep was getting a bit up and down like a two-year-old, then the staff would be used to just tap it on one shoulder to guide it back in. If a sheep fell down somewhere, they turned the staff over because it had a slight bend in it and they'd hook it around the throat and haul the thing out. So the staff was very useful, but it was only useful because the shepherd knew how to use it. See, when we stand before God in our worship this morning, I just wonder, I just wonder what God sees in you. What are we holding in our hands, our proverbial hand that we perceive as just ordinary old us? Right. 
that God sees in a really radically different way. I teach internationally with um, our Caleb stuff, with International Training Alliance, and I meet in different parts of the world teaching missionaries and been involved with a group, with groups teaching 3,000 mission leaders worldwide in the organization I work with as well. One of those missionaries, he and a colleague were serving in the Middle East, and they can't define it any closer because then things happen to them. And they were serving Bedouin tribe people, Muslim tribe people. And they'd gone up to this tent. And as they went up there, they were starting to talk with the leader, the head uh, person of that, that group. And they began talking about Jesus because Muslim people will engage in the spiritual discussion. And as they talked, they talked about the fact that Jesus heals. Then the leader stops them. <laughs> Man, I would have been running for the toilet at that point. But he stops him and he calls for Adnan. And Adnan comes and he's a young boy, about eight or nine years old, and he is deaf and mute and has been since birth. And the leader turns to this guy, Jim, and says to him, This Jesus, he heals? Yes. Pray for Adnan. Jim looks at his colleague, and his colleague goes, Jim, I'm just going to go outside for a break. Um, I'll be out there when you need me. And so Jim goes, oh, my goodness. And can you imagine if it was one of you or me? You, you know what they can do to you? You can walk around with a helmet in one arm and your head in the other if you're not careful. So he was really scared. So he lays his hands on Adnan, and he starts to pray. And as he prayed, he suddenly got overwhelmed with a compassion that he didn't know was in his heart. And he just wept and prayed and wept for Adam. And when he finished, to his delight, nothing had happened. And then the leader goes to Jim, pray for me. And Jim says, but Adam wasn't healed. And the leader says, but I want you to pray for me like you prayed for Adnan. And what Jim did not recognize in himself, the Muslim leader did, but what God recognized in him was a heart that could be transformed with compassion that overwhelmed others around and spoke of the glory of God and the presence and power of God, whether the outcome was what you wanted or not. And that's what he had happen for him. You see, it's true for us too that God sees in us what we often miss as ordinary or of no use. This frame is not for fighting. This frame is for running in the opposite direction really quick. But God uses it in unusual ways. He uses my heart. He uses my mind, which is encouraging and my brain. And he uses me to go out into places that I am scared to be in. But I know he's with me. And I know if I don't, not only have I been disappointed in my father, but I've missed something spectacular. 
See, God required Moses to lay what he had in his hands down at his feet. And we have this wonderful demonstration coming uh, for Moses. And Moses put the staff of dead wood on the ground, and suddenly it became a serpent and took off, and Moses took off. I was uh, leading a meeting in Thailand. Uh, uh, it's a two-and-a-half-week one like the Caleb course, but it's slightly different for mission leaders. And I was walking back from my room uh, to the training room, and happy as a sandboy, it was 40 degrees, and, and you know I didn't need to have a shower because I just had a permanent one. And as I walked along this path, which was concrete block, kind of, I took a step over one of the cracks in the path, and a snake went, <laughs> and I went, <laughs> I've never seen a snake up close. I don't want to ever see a snake up close again. When I came down without parachute, I was running. And I think the snake is still having counselling as well. So <laughs> Moses had that happen to him, so I can understand why he run. run. But then he's told to turn around and grab the tail. Ay, 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 ay. Pick someone else. But he obeys, do you notice? He obeys, he reaches down, he picks up the tail, holds the tail, it turns back to a stick, and it's all good. It became the staff again. And then God gave Moses the outline of the call on his life. And it was beyond what Moses thought he could handle. Do you know that? He starts making up stuff. He starts listing his top attributes that he had that would get him in fail.blog. Right? He does all of that. Because the guy has a speech impediment. He probably says, yeah, 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 stammer. So it probably took him a long time to give us a list. For one, I can't speak. For another one, I'm terrified of the Egyptians. So it would take him a while. But God persisted, even graciously involving Aaron, although Aaron didn't know about it. And then we get down in, verse, in chapter 4, we get all the way down to verse 20. And it shows us, I love this about the Word of God, it just takes you on this journey of faith, doesn't it? And we learn how in this, in this moment of grace, in this moment of grace, that Moses' perspective of who he is in God's sight changes. And he, he understands the mission finally. He understands that he, he has experience that God wants. He understands Egyptian governmental process as a, at a really high level. He's been in the king's, pharaoh's family. He understands all of that political stuff, which I don't. He understood the role of a shepherd and how ornery that can be and how lonely that can be and how hard that can be. And he went back to Egypt taking his wife and the boys with him. But more stunningly, the staff in his hand had become the staff of God. Right. See, the staff was impotent without the power and authority that God would give it to be used and so it was for Moses. When Moses understood the authority he had in God and he obeyed, God's power was released not only in his life, but in the life of Aaron as well. And who knows who else? See, the piece of wood became symbolic of the power and the authority God had given into Moses' life and into Moses' journey. And the hope that that was for Israel, uh, had the wood changed? Not for a split second. But had the man changed? You betcha. 
Before Moses had run off to Midian, he had mistakenly believed that he could rescue God's people using human ways and with very human resources. I spent a long time going to a gym, you know, to build up a body like Sam's. And all I had to do was go to McDonald's. No, um... <laughs> and you push it, you know, you got the... You, you, you got that bar and you're pushing it up and down and I had a personal trainer and he said, you know, Rex, you're doing really, really well. Next week we're going to put little round circles on either end. <laughs> but it, Moses tried it the human way. But now on his return, there's been a wonderful change and Moses had become the staff of God and he was going to do this rescuing of Israel in God's way, with God's power and God's authority. So we can often approach challenges in our lives, challenges in the lives around us, and we often want to go hardcore in it and sort it in human ways with human resources when we should be going, Lord, empower me, give me wisdom, give me knowledge, give me understanding that when I walk into this, I am using all you've given me, not just human resource but I'm using the wisdom that you've given me. I'm using discernment that you give me. I'm using strength of character that you've given me. I'm using humility that you've given me because you can, I can see how big a sinner I am, and they can too. And so we go in using those resources. <clears throat> Do you remember in Acts chapter 19, there's that wonderful story about the seven, seven sons of Sceva, and they've watched Paul, and they now see a, a demon-possessed man and I think it might have been a traffic officer. But anyway, they've seen this guy. And so they decide they're going to uh, deliver him the way Paul does. And they use the reference to Paul. And then, then the account is so funny because the, the demons go, now, now listen, now we know Jesus. Uh, we know Paul. But who the heck are you? And then the demon-possessed man goes feral and the seven boys get a bashing. See, they tried to use someone else's stuff. It wasn't theirs. God hadn't given them that. But had they used what God had given them, that could have been a different story. So what excites me is that in Moses' story, uh, the staff really illustrates what one writer says, that a simple, ordinary thing can be used redemptively. It was only a stick, but placed before God, it became used to glorify God. Moses, as an ordinary shepherd in the back box of Midian, becomes the staff of God, used to glorify God and to shepherd his people Israel. See, Moses' staff, and I think this is a slide as well, Moses, as the staff of God, declared the truth of God's existence and God's sovereignty through something so ordinary as his staff, transformed by God's power and authority, he demonstrated the beginning of God's redemptive action for Israel and how they were going to be set free and how they're going to be taken right through to the promised lands. The ordinary had become extraordinary. In the hand of God, Moses' life had truly become the staff of God. The Apostle Paul 
wrote this in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. He says, but we, but we have this treasure. We have the Spirit of God. We have all he wants to give us, this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. He calls us into humility. He calls us into servanthood. I bet many of you feel pretty ordinary, not super spiritual at all, but God uses the ordinary to produce extraordinary results for his purpose. Ordinary becomes extraordinary when God's power is released in you. A handful of years ago, I was preaching in a particular church, and afterwards, uh, one of the elders came up and said, um, this Māori lady would like you to pray for her, please, and Yvonne and my daughter Hannah. Our daughter Hannah, she's now 28, she's Down Down Syndrome Autistic. And this Māori lady was about to go to court because she was fighting for... Uh, the, what do, you, what do you call it, holding on to her children in a battle with her ex. And she had obviously had a really hard, hard life. Um, and so we said, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll pray. So the elder and my wife and I and Hannah was just standing back behind Yvonne and I. We laid hands on this lady and we started to pray and we started to pray as God led, we started to pray. And then partway through the prayer, I just feel a little bump as Hannah's thinking, I'm getting in here. She pushes her way through and puts her hand out, which ends up on the lady's hip. And is just doing what we're doing, right? And I pray with my eyes open because you've got to watch what God's doing and see whether he's finished with you and you can walk away and he'll stay there. Anyway, the lady's eyes opened and she looks down at who's got hold of her hip and it wasn't me, just saying. And... Um, She looks and she sees Hannah. She reached out, she took hold of Hannah, she drew her into herself and wept and wept and wept. At that point I turned to Eva and said, you know, I don't know why we bother. (laughs) A lot of people will write Hannah off as having very little value at all. So when we as sons and daughters of the king lay down our lives for him, he will command us to pick it up and it will be touched by him and then it will no longer be dead wood in your hands. You will be the staff of God he's asking you to be. In this community you live in, that's what he's going to ask for. See, the spectacular only happened occasionally for Moses, you know. The rest of the time he was a leader but he was a staff of God 24-7. Same as for you. Miracles and stuff will only happen every so often for you. But you will be the staff of God in myriad ways that will demonstrate God's redemptive action in the world and he will extend his kingdom in heaven because you have responded obediently to his call to use what you already have. When we become followers of Jesus, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he gave us power and authority. Matthew 28 says he sent us out in that power and that authority. Matthew 10 tells us to declare our mission saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. 
raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely, Jesus said, I've given to you. Freely, you give it out. <clears throat> when we're making our decision to, or not, to go and lead Caleb and live by faith, Hannah was sitting having her breakfast and she was watching <clears throat> the program on the telly, which was that Crystal Cathedral, is that right? The Crystal in America. Um, I would thought I'd replicate it with a glass one, but um, or even plastic. But anyway, they had this little guy. They they do an interview halfway through, and they had the little little guy. He's about five foot two, and I think he was standing on a stool, and his large wife. And he had been a business guy, uh, had his own business on one side of America. And God said to him, "I want you to close your business. <laughs> I want you to dress up in biblical costume." Praise God, He called me to Caleb, and. Um, carry a cross from one side of America to the other, going to all the tourist traps along the way, and anyone who asks you why you're carrying the cross, you tell them about me. He goes, I can't do that. If I shut my doors, my business will collapse. I should have gone out of the room. I knew I should have gone out of the room at that point, but I was captivated. And God said to this little guy, he says, you trust me for your financial, you trust me for your eternal salvation, but you don't trust me for your financial? Which is the same word he used on me about five months later, four months later. And this guy goes, hey, gets his stuff, gets the cross, his wife's driving a lovely van, and he walks. It was 12 months, he was told, to give it. He got across to the West Coast after 18 months. <clears throat> He'd led over 120 people to Jesus in 18 months. Imagine if he hadn't obeyed. He then got in the van, went back over to the other side and reopened his business. Within 12 months, he had to employ other people. When we allow God to show us the extraordinary in our ordinariness, there's no limit to how he's going to use you, how often he's going to use you. I was standing outside a car park in Papakura. I don't normally do that, but I was. Mask on. And waiting for Yvonne and Hannah, which could have been a long time, but <laughs> sometimes I fear that they're driving over the Bombays and going the other way. Um, but I put a tracker on the car so I know where to get it. So, you have guys, guys, listen, next month it's 42 years I've been married. So I, I know how to find these things. Anyway, um, <clears throat> as I stood there, this little old lady came wandering up and she was towing a little bag for her groceries, I suppose. And I was standing there watching her and she got up to the edge of the road, and it's a reasonably busy road, and I thought, this is going to be fun. Wonder which one's going to get her. I'll pray for her healing, maybe. Um, anyway, she stopped, and she turned around, and she looked at me, and I'm thinking, oh, here we go. And she comes over, did, did you see that program on TV? I said, well, it depends which one. They don't watch a lot. She said, well, there's a little, little guy at that. He saw an old lady trying to cross this river in his African country. So he picked her up and put her on a back, and he waded across. Have you seen it? He waded across the river, right? You see it? And I said to her, I thought, oh gosh. I said to her, 
would, 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 would you? I suddenly became like Moses. <laughs> would you like me to help you across the road? She said, oh, would you? I said, yes, I will. So I took her arm and I went, oh, don't go, don't go. You get your heart rate up that way and she has a wonderful day. So <laughs> we, we, we started walking across the road, right? We started walking across the road and she said, um, thank you for doing this. I've just had some really bad news. We're standing in the middle of the road and I'm looking up and looking back going, well, we're both going to die now, but <laughs> slaughter, no. And um, I said, well, what's the bad news? She said, I've just been told I have terminal cancer, stage four. I have probably six months to live. I'm going, off you go then. No, um, so then when I finished helping across the road, I said to her, could I pray for you? Because that's devastating news. Because I know that Jesus loves you. And she looked up at me and says, thank you, I think he might. I went, well, I know he does. So we stood there praying together. She put her arms around me. We prayed for one another. She's weeping. And then when we finished, she looks up at me and she says, when I get home, I'm going to ring my friends and say this nice young man carried me across the road on his back. I love the way she said young man. <laughs> she must have had cataracts. Anyway, um, the key thing was that she, in saying that, she was saying, you just carried my load for me and you have given me a hope about where the fact that God loves me and will get me through this. You see, walking across the road, helping an old lady across the road, you know, it's, it's ordinary, isn't it? You, you do it every other day. Except sometimes it gets slapped at the other side because the woman will say to me, I just took 15 minutes to get to that side. <laughs> so, you, you know, just the ordinary stuff, God will use you in ordinary ways. Because in your ordinariness, he will have demonstrations of miracles of love from you. Miracles of mercy. Miracles of kindness, miracles of forgiveness, miracles of extraordinary opportunities to show the grace and healing of God in people's lives. What's God asking? What's God pointing to in your life at the moment? What's just sprung up for you while I've been talking? What's God touched in your life and said, I want you to use this a bit more? I know, talking to somebody yesterday, that they're having shoulder operation coming up and they're knitting frantically to get all these little blankets done so they've got them in the cupboard so when somebody needs them, they're going to hand them over. That is the staff of God. I know somebody else in your congregation is just taking a whole pile of young people who don't come to the church out on a farm so they could drive big stuff. I was just a few days late. It's the staff of God. I know some of you probably ring somebody that you know is struggling with facing Omicron or is frightened about getting it or whatever and you're on the phone call and you're listening. You're the staff of God. At that moment, he's made extraordinary what you thought was ordinary, just a phone call and I'm listening. You try asking people when you're just talking to them, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And the ones who will say no are more likely to be Christians. I've not had a non-Christian say no to me yet. Just don't make it long. 
and don't invoke all aspects of the Trinity into that. Just say, Jesus has a son, so they are hurting really bad. Their marriage is busting up. Please bring your comfort into that situation. Amen. And the miracle will happen. You might not see it, but you don't have to see it. But you will have touched somebody's heart. You see, our staff of God interventions are opportunities for heaven to break into a person's life and experience the glory of God and his mercy and grace. Let us pray. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that you have taken each one of us on a special journey in our life with experiences that have been wonderful and experiences that have been horrid in places of darkness and places of light. But Father, you have put into us a richness that we need to value. A richness that when you touch it becomes empowered with your power and your authority to be used in the lives of others to further your kingdom. Father, I pray a blessing upon these people and the ones at home that they would understand that they are the staff of God 24-7 out there with what is usual, using it in an unusual spiritual way. And I pray, pray that you will have your power spread in this people and touch myriad lives for the kingdom in these next 12 months. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jim. Amen. Awesome. Come on, can we honor Rex this morning for, for that word, for his time? Rex, you're like a father to me in many ways, and uh, I really appreciate not only what you've, you've shared with me and with us today,